so many people out there that think they need to start off with single family rentals and somehow graduate into apartments. And that's not yeah. true because my, my, my first deal was a 32 unit apartment building back in 2002. Do you want to take your creative real estate to the next level? I recently teamed up with some high level syndicators to create the first true apartment network right here in Denver. Denver Apartment Network is a group of investors focused on achieving passive income through a creative strategy called syndications. To register for the next event for free, you'll find the link in today's show notes. I'll see you there. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams, and today I am joined with, with Brad Sumrock out from Texas, who's an apartment investor, owns thousands of doors. I think this will be an interesting uh, interview today. And just so you know, if you're in the Denver area or if you want to fly out to the Denver area, it will be in your best interest because on June 5th, Brad will be at Denver Apartment Network uh, sharing some of these strategies with us as well. So without further ado, Brad Somrock, tell us a little about uh, you and how you got into real estate. Well, thanks, Adam. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of got into real estate, uh, I don't want to say by accident, but I had no idea I was going to be doing real estate or apartment buildings or having a real estate education program. You know, like so many people that read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I have an engineering degree, an MBA. I spent 17 years in corporate America. And when I got laid off, you know, when I was in my early 30s, at one point, I actually thought about going to law school. So it wasn't until I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where he talks about ESBI, you know, employee, self-employed, business owner, investor, that this light bulb in my head went off. And I was like, wow, maybe I should be a business owner and investor. And he talks about, you know, real estate network marketing and the whole network marketing thing didn't appeal to me at all. So, um, you know, that's what led me to start investigating real estate. I went to a seminar um, in Houston, Texas, where I was living at the time. And I learned about single family rentals and multifamily. And I just saw people out there that think they need to start off with single family rentals and somehow graduate into apartments. And that's not yeah. true because my, my, my first deal was a 32 unit apartment building back in 2002. Wow. Wow. Tell us a little bit more about that first deal. Um, how'd you fund it? What, uh, what kind of loan did you get on it? What were the numbers? Was that in Houston? Yeah. So, okay. you know, so, so back then, you know, I had not yet learned about syndicating deals, which is my preferred strategy now. And that's what, you know, a lot of my students do, but, you know, back then, so I had, you know, I had worked for 17 years in corporate America. My parents taught me to study hard, get good grades, save my money. And so I was actually like in my mid thirties when I bought that first apartment building and I, I could, remember the numbers like it was yesterday. It was just under a million dollars. Um, and I put 20% down in my own money. And a lot of people ask, well, Brad, where'd you get the money? You know, did you use other people's money? Well, I didn't. Like I, it was my life savings. I had 200,000 that I had saved from, you know, the age of 22 when I got out of college until I was 35. And so I put 200 down. I was able to qualify for a, a full recourse loan for mm -hmm. about 800,000. And I bought that first property. 
And it, it just worked like magic. I mean, it wasn't magic because I had invested in my self-education, which, you know, is a, I'm a big believer in that. Mm-hmm. But I had um, that, that property put like $3,500 a month of cash flow into my pocket just about wow. every month, like clockwork. Wow. That's, that's yeah. amazing. So you said, well, let me uh, back up just a little bit because you said that you got laid off in your thirties. And then you also mentioned that you had the 200 grand to put down in your thirties. Will you give us that timeline? Uh, when did you get laid off? Well, I was laid off. I'm trying to think now, cause it's, you know, 2018 and this happened, you know, 2001 or 2002, but I, I was laid off in the Let's see, I quit my job in 05. So I would say in 2001 was the first time I got laid off and our company got, you know, bought, acquired. And so, you know, I was a, a, a national sales director and they brought in their own sales team. Mm. And, then I, and, and then I got hired again mm. by another company. And then two years later, I actually, even worse than getting laid off, I actually got fired. And okay. yeah, so I was laid off once and fired once. But I also had, you know, with my, and engineer and MBA, I, I was making six figures and there were some years where I was in sales and I had, I had some pretty good years. So I was able to save a bunch of money. Okay. And so what did you buy the apartment building then a, after the, after you were laid off and fired from those two jobs? Was that after? I, I, I did, but I actually went back to work. And okay. This is, okay. I, this is, yeah, this is what I cool. tell people. I'm like, I'm like, don't quit your job Yeah. to be a real estate investor it's like quit your job when your investment income needs to exceed your earned income. So, you know, I was making 10 K a month mm-hmm. and, you know, I was, I was still very highly employable. I was in my thirties. And, and so even after getting laid off, I went back and get, got another job. And then two years later I got fired. I went back again and got another job. Mm. And so I actually quit my job on my own terms in 2005 when I had, you know, 62 doors at the time. And I, I had pretty much replaced my, my income. Uh, from my job with the income from the 62, uh, 62 door apartments that I had. Wow. So it sounds like it only took you three-ish years? Three years. Yep. Wow. And, and that's why like, you know, I do, um, you know, I, I, I have a, an educational event that I do that I actually call rat race to retirement because mm. that Adam, that's my personal story. It's like, I went from the corporate rat race to retiring, which to me, the definition of retirement was replacing my income uh, with my W-2 income with investment income. And it took me about three years to do that. And were you still in your 30s when you retired? I was. I was 35. Wow. And um, that was back in 2005. So you could do the math. No, I was 38. I was, okay. I, I started, I started when I was 35 was, is when I bought my first apartment building. The numbers are getting blurry. Um, that I retired at the age of 38 and that was back in 2005. So again, you can do the math and figure out how old I am. <laughs> yeah, that, that is amazing. <laughs> I love that. So um, let's get into when, when was your first syndication? Uh, let's talk, tell us what a syndication means. And then um, when was your first syndication? Well, well it's funny because when I first heard the term syndication, I didn't know what it meant. Somebody asked me like it was a bad word. Oh, are you a syndicator? And I'm like, no, I just pull, you know, get a group of investors and put their money <laughs> together and buy deals. And they're like, well, that's what a syndicator is. So, you know, if, if you're listening or you come in June, like a, a syndication is just, you know, there, there's one person that 
that kind of makes the, the raises the money. They find a deal, they raise the money, they manage the asset. They, they're responsible uh, for the investors, and and, um, and and then everybody else that puts their money in the deal is a passive investor. And and so the the advantages there is that you know I put I put my own capital into all my syndications, okay. and so just like just like the passives, like I make a return on my investment, just like all the passive investors do. But the the reason I like syndicating is because you could buy more units because now you're not just leveraging your own money. Like my first deal, I put two hundred thousand in and I bought a million dollar property, and that's all you could. You know, you don't have any better leverage than that. But like now, when I syndicate deals, like in you know a few months ago, I just bought a thirty four million dollar deal. Mm. I put in a hundred thousand of my own money, and I raised twelve million dollars from a hundred and ten other people. And wow. And so, you know, and, 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 and we control the deal, we control the management company, we make the operating decisions, you know, and I'm helping 110 investors make money. We're, we're helping 334 families, you know, that live yeah. in those units. And, and I'm making more money because, see, the syndicator, because you're doing all the work, you get besides the return on your money that you put in, but you also, because you're doing all the work, you get you know, some people call it a promote or you can get, you know, an acquisition fee or you can get what I call the, the, the sponsor compensation, which is your carried interest. It's your percentage of the profit due to your track record and experience and value that you bring as opposed mm -hmm. to just your capital that you put in. Wow. Hey, I think uh, it'd be really interesting if you don't mind uh, going into a little bit of the numbers on on that $38 million deal that you you put about a hundred of your own uh, let's talk about it and compare it to the first deal you did where you, you did an 80-20 loan, you put 200 grand down, got an $800,000 loan, and you were saying you made uh, passively about 3500 Now, in this syndication deal where you put in 100000 from that one deal, about what goes into your pocket net? Well, let's see. So, let me, let me just think here because, you know, it's, it's 334 doors and so I own about, you know, I, I only put in a hundred thousand and we needed, you know, more like 12 million equity. So if you just do the math, you know, a hundred thousand divided by 12 million equity. So that's like what, like what percent is that? That's less than, is that less than? Let's see. So a hundred thousand like, into 12 million. Yeah. Mm. Hundred into twelve million is like I'm I'm getting performance anxiety now that we're live. It's like one percent, right? Like I put in like one percent of the equity, or less than one percent of the equity. But I own, but I own like ten percent of the deal. Okay, yeah. and so that's how my that's 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 the thing that I love about the syndication is because. You know, all the investors, if they put in a hundred thousand, they they also own you know 0.83 percent of the deal, um, and there's like a hundred ten of us. But because I'm the one that found the deal, analyzed the deal, oversees the deal, I'm responsible for the deal. If there's a problem, I have to solve the problem. It's not all it's not all rosy, you know. Yeah. And so there, you know, there's a lot of responsibility. But you know, I'm leveraging. I'm I'm getting ten times. So you know, we make you know. Let's see. Let me just pull out the numbers here. 334. It's 334 doors. Um, I mean, I'm getting 
probably five to six thousand a month out of that deal. Okay. You know, I, and I put on, and, and, and plus I got, you know, an acquisition fee. And then when we sell, I mean, I'm going to get 10% of the gain instead of mm -hmm. 1% of the gain. So, I mean, the, the numbers are, are, you know, I put in less money, we control 10 times as many units and I'm probably making five to six times, you know, or at least two to three times the amount of money as I did on that 32 unit deal. Wow. Yeah, I love that. And I hope the listeners um, understand that there is a couple of paths that they can take. Uh, you could buy uh, apartments with all of your own money. You could put 200 grand down, you can make your 3,500 and that's great. Um, but there's also another way you can put maybe a hundred thousand down. Some syndicators put nothing down, some put more, some put less. But maybe on this one, you put a hundred grand and you're making, you know, twice as much as you're put in half as much and you're making twice as much. And uh, it's probably a little bit less work or is it more work? What do you think? It's, it's actually less work because we have a professional management company that does everything. So on, awesome. you know, on, you know, and, and then I don't know if you have listeners that do single family, but it's like, I, you know, when I, when I speak a lot, I talk about, you know, what's the difference between a single family rental a 32 unit apartment and a 300 unit apartment that you syndicate. Well, on a 300 unit apartment, like the one we were just talking about, like I don't have the keys to the office. I don't know the gate code. I don't mm -hmm. know the alarm code. Like when I go there, which is very rare, I have to like call somebody and make sure somebody's there to let me in. You know, yeah. um, I don't do, I don't do the bookkeeping. I don't do the accounting. I don't pay the bills. I don't even send the checks to the investors like the man, like everything is ACH, everything is automated. So, you know, what, what do I do is I, I work with my partner and when we get questions from investors, we answer questions. And when we have problems, we solve the problems. And then on, you know, most of the time there aren't any problems. I mean, I've had deals where we have to replace management companies or had a fire and file insurance claims and stuff like that. But I mean, most yeah. of the time it's a part-time job. So, you know, if you look at the 32 unit deal, I had a manager and a maintenance person, but I did the books, I paid the bills, you know, I still had to do a lot of the things that our management company does on these bigger deals. So, mm -hmm. you know, and then you look at a single family home, it's like, I didn't have a, I had to collect the rent. I had to show the, you know, show the, show the uh, unit. I had to answer the phone when I put the ad in the paper and people were calling me asking me about the house for rent. It's like, so as you get more doors, this is why I tell people like if you may be able to just start in multifamily, because as you get more doors, it actually gets easier and you're leveraging, you have better economies of scale. You know, and another important thing to distinguish, um, to note is that when you bought your smaller unit, which was 30, I think you said 34. Um, 30, yeah. Okay. And then you paid a million dollars for it. And that loan was a full recourse loan, meaning if something happened, the bank comes after you, but I assume with your 300 plus unit uh, that it's a non-recourse loan. So not to say that anything will happen, but it's a pretty um, good feeling to know that once you get a little bit bigger, you also are safer. Is that, is that right? That, that's correct. So on a recourse loan, which, which is common for loans, say under a million dollars, which is a lot of where a lot of multifamily investors start, is you actually have more risk with that type of loan because of, mm -hmm. you know, heaven forbid there's a, a recession or, you know, anything, if, you know, something happens where you not only make a profit, but you can't pay your note, not only could they take the property, but they could come after your assets personally. And that's what full recourse means on non-recourse. 
the, the your your loss is limited to you know your equity you put in the deal um but they can't come after you personally so they can't take my house they can't take your your bank personal bank accounts they can't take your assets mm -hmm. i i love that i think um just that is enough to to say you know learn more about brad uh mr sunrock and see what he's doing how he's teaching this because there is a lot of good that can come from going bigger and faster so i love that you mentioned that you you've learned to you i guess you started with multifamily but the thought of make of making it a larger loan is actually a, of benefit toward other people. So I hope if you're listening that you you understand the difference between the recourse and non-recourse. You understand uh, the difference between your money, other people's money, and um, and do things like Brad is teaching. So I'm actually really excited for uh, June 5th to be able to learn some uh, strategies from you. Will you give us? Uh, maybe two things that you'll pro that that might be uh, takeaways. Don't give too much away, but what might be a couple of takeaways uh, that you'll share with us in June? Well, I, I am going to talk about going bigger and faster syndicating deals. And the thing that people will walk away with is they're they're going to realize they don't have to have all the money to to do these deals. And and a lot of people are going to realize that they've been thinking too small. And so, you know, again, you know, w w what I teach isn't for everybody, you know, it's not for the, uh, I mean, not that you can't do it, but it's not really for the no job, no money, no credit person. Um, although they can do it, you know, I like to have skin in the game in my deals. And, you know, but the thing is, if you're, if you're somebody, you know, that's in that corporate rat race and you've been saving your money, <clears throat> excuse me, and you have a little bit of money to invest and, and you're willing to work hard because it does take work. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to paint this picture that it's all passive and that the money rolls in no matter what you do. I mean, you, you do have to invest some time and energy to, to acquire a skill set. But for those that are willing to do that, you may be able to, one, you may be able to like skip single family altogether and go into multifamily. And two is you may be able to syndicate on your very first deal. And Adam, you know that we have, you know, one of my, students that I helped right there in Denver that I helped her syndicate like a $15 million deal in Denver on her very first transaction. So like th this isn't pie in the sky stuff. I, you know, people could do it. Yeah. And the, what the raise on a $15 million deal is what, like um, 4 million or what, what, what was the raise yeah, on that one? About, yeah. The rule of thumb is about 30%. So, okay. you know, cause even if you get, you know, best case you're going to get an 80% loan um but you still need you know so that would be 20% equity that you would need to to raise through a syndication but then you still have you know closing costs and loan origination fees and other costs associated with it so i usually just budget you know 25 to 30% of your total acquisition price yeah. So, and uh, Sarah, Sarah's a friend of mine. So, and if she's also one of the leaders of Denver Apartment Network. So, anybody who's listening, uh, this is, I mean, I know this is a true story. I walked that 100 unit property in Aurora, Colorado. I was, I was there. I've seen it. And, uh, and yeah, you said this is her very first syndication and she raised with your help well over $4 million, just like, just like that, which is uh, really incredible. Really, really incredible. So there's a lot of people that are listening that may not, they're, they're like, oh yeah, but I couldn't do that. No, I mean, if you, if you have an education and a community with people like Brad, uh, you can do it because this is a team sport. Would you agree? A it's all a team sport. 
Well, that's, you know, you, you, you asked me what else, you know, I was going to cover. So that, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, like to, 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 to syndicate an apartment building is, is definitely a team sport and you need to leverage, you need to plug into people that are doing it. Like so many people ask me, well, Brad, you know, I'm making offers. I can't find deals. And then I, you know, or the numbers don't work or it's a tight market or the cap rates compressed. And I'm like, yeah, I hear that because I see, look, I see some of that too. I don't just teach. I do. I bought over 1200 doors in the past 12 months. So I'm not just up there doing seminars. Like I still buy. But the thing is, is that, you know, we're leveraging other people and our feelers are out there. And this is a, this is a, it's not that big of an industry and it's not just what, you know, it's also who, you know, and like I've had, I've had, you know, buyers that, that are my clients, you know, I say students, but clients that, that, you know, their offer is coming in very close to, you know, they're in the top three bidders, but they're getting selected because not only because their offer is competitive, but because they're using a lender that the seller knows, or they're working with the attorney that the seller knows, or they're working with the broker that the seller knows, and they, and they know it's going to be a smooth transaction. So, you know, what, 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 what I really help people do is break into that syndication business and level the playing field for, yeah. for people that want to get into it. Because if you're on the outside looking in, I mean, I'm all those, all those things can be true. It's like, Oh, how do I get the deals? I'm never getting selected. I have to overpay. And it's like, yeah, but that's because you're not, that's because you don't have the right team in place and you're not tapping into that network of established players in your market. That's that's great, and and obviously working with you, they can also leverage uh, the credibility that you have as well um, when they're closing on these deals. I think that that helps a lot when when there's a lender that is looking at this or a seller that's looking at this. You're well known in that area, and uh, there's a good chance that they're say, ah, oh, these he he or she is working with Brad. I know they're going to close. So, and let yeah. me get down. Let's. Are you ready for the final five? Well, I'm ready as I'll ever be. So let's do All it. All right. What's the most creative real estate deal that you've done? Well, it's, it's, it's funny because I know your podcast is creative real estate, but most of my, I mean, all my transactions have been apartments except for one single family home. But I mean, typically, you know, we're doing 20 to 30% down and, and um, 80%, you know, 70 to 80% uh, debt financing. But I could tell you back in 2010 when lenders will weren't really lending. It was a little different environment back then. And um, we bought this deal for like 13,000 a door, believe it or not. Wow. And um, <clears throat> you know, there, the, 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 it was in a foreclosure. Uh, the, the lenders weren't, you know, it was only like 60% occupied. So it was tough to get a new loan, but the bank actually gave us a loan. They gave us a 60% loan. And so we had to come up with 40% equity. So we were able to raise the money through, you know, a syndication model. And, you know, back then it was like, oh my God, you're buying a piece of crap. And why are you buying apartments? And well, knowing anybody now that's in multifamily, like this door is worth, it just sold for 70,000 a door wow. like last year. But we, we bought it for 13,000 a door in 2010. And when we sold it, we sold it for like 42,000 a door. We just thought like we hit this home run, which we did, but now it's worth like 70. But, you know, I know you didn't ask this, but one thing that, you know, for the people out there that are like, oh, prices are going up, cap rates are going down, but rents are also going up. I mean, I've been doing this 16 years. I mean, rents now 
are, are so much higher than they were just a few years ago in just about every major market in the country. So you have to look at the rents as well. You can't just look at, you know, price per door. You got to look at rate of return and what's your rate of return over a five-year hold. Smart. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. What's a, what's a book you'd recommend the listeners to read? Well, you know, it's a very classic book. I mean, if you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that book changed my life and mm-hmm. or the or the cash flow quadrant, ESBI. I mean, I know it's very basic, but like if you missed that those books, I just think that's a critical part of your education on, you know, your financial uh, education. Awesome. Awesome. I think you may have already shared where you were five years ago, uh, but this this next question is where were you five years ago and where will you be five years from today? Well, it's interesting. Five years ago, um, we just launched, well, we're in year six, but approximately five years ago is when we launched our education program. And so back then it was, it was just, you know, what we're going to do. And now we have thousands of students all over the country that we help. But as an investor, the largest deal I had done in 2000, let's say 13 was a $13 million acquisition. And now we're buying like 30 to $40 million properties. So like where I'm going to be five years from now. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, we might be buying, I mean, a hundred million dollar deals. I don't know. And, and, and our educational program could have, you know, tens of thousands of people that, that we've helped all over the country. So the, the thing about this business too, that's, that's actually exciting and it's actually a little scary is that this is not a linear progression business. Once you get traction and momentum and, and track record and experience, you can grow exponentially. So it's like, gosh, in five years, you know, Tony Robbins says that people overestimate what they can do in one year, but they underestimate what they can do in five to 10 years. Mm. So it's kind of scary to think how, where we, where we can be in five years, isn't it? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I like that. And I'm sure you'll be doing really, really big things that you're already doing really, really big things, but it might be mind boggling. Uh, the, the next question, what's the favorite, your favorite way to give back? Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I love speaking all over the country. So it's like, you know, you're, you know, you're not paying me to fly up there. I mean, I'm buying my own ticket and hopefully we'll have a nice turnout in Denver. And I'm just passionate about what apartment investing has done for, for, you know, my life and my, my wife and yeah. I mean, we don't have kids, but like, you know, and then what happened, Adam, is that, you know, first we took care of ourselves. So like we have a beach house. I'm actually in Florida right now in a beach house. that okay. we own. And, you know, so we took care of ourselves and then like we started helping our family and I took my dad on his dream vacation and took my mom, I'm a mother-in-law and bought her a new car, you know, when she needed it. And, you know, all I ever wanted to do was quit my job. And now we like last year, we, we contributed $42,000 to our favorite charity which is buying wheelchairs for people in third world countries. And so that is now like really important to me. Like I said, going from somebody that made 10,000 a month and just wanted to get out of the rat race to be able to contribute that kind of money to a charity is, is pretty cool. So those are a couple of the ways that, 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 you know, we give back is through our education program, through our charities and taking care of our, our, our team and our employees and our students. Great. Thank you. And uh, I hope everybody who's listening is going to want to come and check out the presentation that you'll be giving on June 5th. But how do people reach out to you? How do they find your uh, mentoring company? If they're, if they're like, oh, Brad Summerock, he sounds like a legit guy. How do, how do we get a hold of him? Well, the two best ways, number one, I'm on Facebook. 
And my wife says I spend way too much time on Facebook. And so, you know, I have a personal account and a business account that you could just look under Brad Sumrock. And remember, there's no C in my last name. So it's just B-R-A-D-S-U-M-R-O-K. And then, of course, on the website, again, it's just bradsumrock.com. So that's B-R-A-D-S-U-M-R-O-K.com with no C in it. Awesome. I'm going to put that in the show notes right now. So uh, guys, just scroll down. You'll find the, all of that information in the show notes. If you find Brad, follow Brad. He's doing really, really big things. Thank you for being here. You've added so much value to the listeners. Until next time, everyone, think outside the box. Hey, everyone. Manny Perez here. This podcast is growing fast because of listeners like you. Thank you, guys. If everyone could do me one favor, will you go to iTunes right now and leave us a positive rating? This will help us get more top-notch guests for the future. Again, please go to iTunes right now and leave us a positive rating. Thank you, guys, and keep listening.